Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen, and then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you, always. podcast i am your host justin and we will be reviewing episode two of the bad batch the star wars animated series uh, that has been streaming on disney plus if you haven't seen it definitely check it out uh, we reviewed episode one the the pilot episode last in our last episode so definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't already and like i said my name is justin and i have my fellow clone trooper with me aiden hey guys and we're back. We'll be reviewing the Bad Batch series, season one, for this first few episodes. And then when season two comes out, we'll we'll get on board with that. So we want to welcome you guys. Um, this, for me, we I think we talked about it last time, but for me, this show is a continuation of Star Wars The Clone Wars, that, that animated series that ended up going seven seasons long. And that's something you should definitely check out if you haven't already as well. But for, for us, in this episode of episode two, there is a callback to some early episodes of The Clone Wars. So I don't think you necessarily need to have seen that um, episode before watching this one, but it definitely helps. Um, for you, Aiden, what, um, in seeing, you know, the title is called Cut and Run. And then once I saw what it was about, I kind of remembered what had happened. For you, Aiden, what did you think about this tie-in to one of the first seasons of The Clone Wars? I mean, that's my favorite thing about Star Wars is that's what it does all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so cool to see just the interconnectivity of all the different shows and the callbacks to movies and how relevant it keeps the movies still today. It doesn't just kind of move on from them. Um, and that's why I like just the Bad Batch in general, especially loving the Clone Wars previously. I mean, I still love the Clone Wars. It's probably my favorite TV show of all time because it's just so ex- like huge. Mm-hmm. There's so much in it, and it just tells so much more Star Wars. And for that to keep going, um, and basically it's son of a show, Um it's really cool to see, and I like that it keeps the the Clone Wars spirit alive. Yeah, that it does, especially with these guys who are technically their clones, but they're modified from the, the rest of them, but they still interact with some and carry that spirit, like you said. So this was episode two of The Bad Batch, season one, and we start off with a hyperspace the, the clones are in their shuttle and they're traveling through hyperspace. And we kind of wonder what's going on. Um, we see the crew. We got Echo, Hunter, um, Tech, and the big guy. Wrecker. Wrecker. Ricka. Ricka. 
And then also uh, we have Omega there on the ship. And so they had just left Camino. They had escaped from their ex-teammate, Crosshair, and, and some of the, the troopers that he's with. And so they're able to get away from that, from Camino and the Empire. And the first place they go to is they meet up with, and they go to meet up with another clone. And this clone was the callback to the previous uh, season of the Clone Wars. I think it was, what, season two? I think it was It was really early in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, season two, I think. Yeah. And the background for that is that this clone, his name is Cut Laquan. Um, and he was a deserter. And they... In the Clone Wars, they addressed that, what that meant, and they tried to get him back, but he didn't want to come back, and so they just kind of left him alone. And so within a few circles of the clones, they they knew who he was and what he was doing, and they understood that. So this Bad Batch, they, they're they aware of that, and they go to meet him because he's living on the fringe. He's you know undercover and hiding from the clones and, and uh, the Empire. So they go to, to hide out with him for a bit. And when they land, I, I find this pretty interesting. You know, it, it makes sense. They land, they walk out, and Omega comes out, and she's just fascinated with this planet. Mm-hmm. And kind of some backstory about Cut. He was, you know, a clone deserter, like we said, but um, he kind of gained the respect of, you know, the clone troopers, the loyal clone troopers, specifically Rex, because he was, they were chasing General Grievous, his ship had crashed, and uh, they were chasing him down, trying to hunt him down, kind of get him once and for all, but um, something happened with Rex, he was shot, and um, his fellow clones kind of rushed him to a place, they found a spot for him to hide, and for him to heal up, and then they come to find out, or they leave him there, and come to find out that Rex just got dropped off in a clone deserter's farmhouse. So um, they kind of, he's very skeptical of him. He doesn't have a lot of respect for him at first. He's kind of um, distasteful of the idea that, you know, clones can desert and that it's betrayal to the Republic. And um, when, you know, he kind of, realizes that you know he's a clone um but he's a clone with a family he he kind of gets his whole world spun around that there's more to life than just the clone army especially after cut you know nurtures him or i guess brings him back to tip-top health um and meets his family and gets gets along with them um he gains respect for him and that's that's where we meet cut and um that's why they're led to cut in the first place is because the bad batch is seeking refuge and you know rex found refuge with cut yeah and just to get into that a little bit um for you what was your perspective on a clone deserter was that <sighs> like oh he's he's a bad guy or he's he's weak or you know something like that or did you appreciate what they were showing us in that episode I mean, every time I watch that episode, it's like, you know, clones are kind of, they're bred to be soldiers and they're basically programmed from the day they're born to 
serve the Grand Army of the Republic, to serve under the Jedi, to follow orders, be loyal. And so when you see this, you're kind of like, what? That can happen? Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of, there's a comic book. I, I think it's just a comic short or something like that of a battle droid who survived the Battle of Naboo, I think it is. And um, it like he befriends a, a Gungan, I think it is. And it's kind of the same deal there. And it, it always reminds me of that because you're like, droids can be not part of <laughs> the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go against his programming. And uh, you see this clone, you're like, why does he want to leave? And so it, it just stuns me every time that a clone can do that. Yeah, and it shows us that uh, they can do more things than just be soldiers. And this is where we start to see, well, one of the episodes where we start to see the humanity of the clones. They're, they're just not, they're not droids. They're not programmed to do stuff. They can think on their own. And when given the chance, they can be normal people. Yeah, and I mean, we see that in Rebels with Wolf and Rex and um, I forgot the other clone's name, uh, Gregor, on the planet where they're hiding from the Empire. You see that they're not, you know, just willing to submit. I mean, they have their inhibitor chips removed, so it's a little different for them. But you see that they basically are people. They're bred from a certain person's DNA, Jango Fett's DNA, but they're still human Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I think that was one of the missions, one of the overall purposes of the Clone Wars. I mean, we get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship really grow and develop, but another main part was the clones, who they are. Through the, the seasons, we start to see them become more individual with like their markings on their armor and on their, like their tattoos and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we grow to learn that they're, not just this single entity, they have their own ideas and individuality as well. And that they did a really good job of showing us that throughout the Clone Wars. Yeah, and one, like a couple examples just come to me um, off the top of my head. I've been rewatching the Clone Wars because like I said, it's my favorite show. Um, there's three clones that in particular come to mind where you see an actual character arc through the entire show. And that's Fives, and I guess Echo as well, um, but mo- mostly Fives. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse, who he has the Republic symbol tattooed on him, mm-hmm. and it's on his helmet, and Rex. So Rex is just a captain at the beginning. You don't know much about him. He's introduced in the Clone Wars movie, and you see that he's you know a loyal and um, like experienced clone. He's seen stuff. He's experienced stuff. He's good at what he does. And you see him go from the clone trooper in the basic armor to just kind of a hero, like a war hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a traitor in the end. But <laughs> Yeah, technically to the Empire, but not to the audience. Not to the Republic yeah. um, and what it stood for. Um, and same thing with Fives. You see him as a rookie yeah. um, in the training center and then um, to the moon. Um the outpost mm-hmm. on the moon um, where he survives that. And then you see him go through arc trooper training and you see him, you know, lose echo, be heartbroken over that. Cause that's his brother. Uh, that's who we went through everything with. Mm-hmm. 
and you see him grow from that. Were they the only two that survived that attack on the moon? Or was there another one? Um, there was Heavy. Yeah. Heavy. No. No, he dies. He dies. Yeah. He's the one that dies. Um, and then there's... Yeah, there was three of them. Yeah. Because I remember in the ARC trooper arc, they, the three of them became troopers. Yeah. ARC troopers, I believe. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's them... But at the end of the day, it just ends up being fives. But then mm-hmm. we learn about Echo yeah. later. <laughs> so you see Echo come back and he's a completely different person. He's grown and he's mm-hmm. he's kind of the same way. Like he got his inhibitor chip removed by the separatists. So it kind of backfired on them. Yeah. Um, and so you just see them grow to be just these basic clones, these rookie clones to, you know, fives being an arc trooper and trying to, uncover the secret of the the clones in the republic because he discovers the inhibitor chip with another clone who tries to kill a jedi mm-hmm. because it malfunctioned and then you also see jesse um you know he's in the umbara arc most notably mm-hmm. and he's just a, a clone trooper there you know he's one of the named clone troopers so he's a little more unique but then in season seven of the clone wars you find out that he's also an arc trooper yeah um and you see that he's kind of more loyal to the Republic and than the Empire. Yeah, following orders. Mm-hmm. So back to this episode, episode two of Bad Batch. Cut Laquan. Do they ever address the inhibitor chip with him? Because he doesn't seem to be affected by order, following order 66 or having this desire to follow orders. He, he's, he's quite content living... With his wife, Sue, and uh, their two kids. I honestly think he never received Order 66. I don't... Maybe they addressed it in this and I missed it, but... Oh, yeah, so he never got the command. Yeah. I think he's just out of the loop at this point. He doesn't see it, and then maybe he figures it out, but I honestly can't remember. Yeah, Yeah, because he didn't get the the command from higher-ups or from Darth Sidious to execute order 66 <laughs> so he never had to deal with it but yeah i i don't remember when we go through it we'll find out if if they did address the inhibitor chip thing but yeah so they land on this planet where cut laquan and his family lives and with with them getting off the ship back to omega she gets off and she's like fascinated by this planet because there's dirt because she grew up on uh, Camino, which is just straight water, you know, no earth or at least that we know of that we've seen in the, in all the films and shows. So she's just like, well, what is this stuff? You know, it's yeah. dirt, you know, something that we take for granted. So that was, that was interesting. The detail that they, they put into the show to show us, Hey, they understand what's how people interact in this, in this universe. So yeah, they wake their, they make their way to cuts place and, they end up meeting Cut and his wife Sue, and they are invited inside. And they talked to them, and it looks like um, they do address the inhibitor chip. Um, the Rex had visited them after Order sixty six and talked to them about it, and so he knew he knows about the chip at this point in this episode when before he didn't. What I'm seeing right now um, is that cut doesn't have a scar for a removal right which is what you see with captain rex and you know the other clones that get there just taken out yeah 
And we see Omega talking to Hunter saying, yeah, you, you guys, all, all the regs had inhibitor chips. And he's like, what? Yeah. So this is where they find out about it. At yeah. least Hunter does. And so um, they do address it. And it looks like Cut still has his. And like like we said earlier, it doesn't really affect him that much at this point. But Omega meets up with Cut's quit kids and they, they play. The first time she's ever met kids and, you know, is able to interact with you know, other beings her her age. Especially not clones because right. that's all she's seen. That's all she's grown up with is just clones. And, you know, I think the most diverse from the clones is the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, asks Hunter, you know, who is she? And she's like, oh, she, he's, she's a defective clone like we are. She's a, a Bad Batcher, I guess you could say. <laughs> and Hunter's like, oh, she's just a kid. And Cut's like... Well, the Kaminoans don't do anything by mistake. You know, what's her purpose? What's her real thing? And Hunter doesn't know. He hasn't really thought about it. So, and I, we see that play out as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Just a Hunter's desire to to take care of Omega as they as they go on with the story. Hunter tries to talk in to talk to Cut to get him to go with them to get out of there, and. Cuts just fine where he's at, living there with his family. He probably hasn't fought for a couple of years, and if not more than that. And so he's out of the game. He's fine with just living the farm life like Galen Urso. You know? <laughs> I remember in the Clone Wars, um, it was kind of the same deal. Like Rex tried to recruit him back or just kind of, you know, get him out of retirement basically. Mm-hmm. And he kind of says the same thing like oh i'm i'm content with this life i like it i have my family um so you think he's rusty but there's a droid attack on their farm and you see that he is not rusty yeah he's still got the skills so they go into town and hunter starts seeing things that are different um the empire is seizing all the shuttles they're starting to take over and they're even on a, a a remote planet out in the middle on the edge, I guess. And the empire still, you know, trying to take over even the, the small planets. Yeah. Um, this is Seleucami, which is the same planet that, you know, cuts always been on. So he's, I'm sure he's seen it change from just an outer world planet place. He can hide mm-hmm. to, you know, an imperial controlled sector, I guess. And he sees the effects of that. Yeah. So they're trying to get out of Sulukamai on the on the down low. And we are introduced to the chain code concept, which we heard about in The Mandalorian. Yeah. It was first introduced there. But uh, story-wise, chronologically in the story, this is the first time that we hear about it. And it's a new galactic policy that you can't go anywhere without showing people your chain code. This is basically like a galactic passport, essentially. Um, tells you that you're, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have one, you're obviously not good to go, which means you're probably wanted by the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> which in this case, that's <laughs> exactly the, um, the issue that they have. 
And so while they're in this town, uh, Cut and Hunter trying to buy passage off the planet, um, there's an imperial uh, occupation there, and we see this this alien trying to get off off planets, uh, a snaggletooth alien, and they won't let him leave because he doesn't have a chain code yet. So they can't book passage. They can't uh, exchange their local currency for imperial credits. They can't do anything without this chain code. And once they get their chain code, then basically their identity is known to the empire and it's in their database and they're, you know, they're kind of stuck with that. And that's the dilemma of this episode. It's kind of the whole point. Um, how do we get off the planet without a chain code? Because obviously they can't get a chain code because they're clones. Mm-hmm. They'll like immediately be identified as deserters. So that's, that's their issue. Yeah. And this episode or this season came out a few months after season two of the Mandalorian. Um, so we had just been introduced to the chain code idea. How do you feel that this episode, and we didn't know what it was. We just knew that people had chain codes and that was an identity thing. But here we see the origin of the chain code. Do you think that's, this is a good explanation or at least an introduction to what that means? Yeah, and I think it's a super great tie-in to how the, or I guess not tie-in, but just um, description of what the change from the Galactic Republic to the Empire is. Because you see the Republic, you know, they have a Senate, they want, um, justice and fairness for everyone. I, at least that's what they stand for. That's what they're portrayed as in the movies. Right. Um, but we see Padme just kind of not agree with that in some situations and other other people. But um, you see that they kind of go from that mindset to we want to keep track of everyone. You're under our rule. Yeah. Um, so it's more of the, the controlling mindset and the chain code is part of that and i think they described that very well that it's it's an imperial it's an imperial ideal now mm-hmm. it's a way to control the people yeah track who's going where all that sort of thing all that big brother stuff that we often have cons- conspiracy theories over <laughs> here in real life and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's just uh, paranoia but here in this show it's it's real life so I think it's a good, a good introduction myself. Uh, we don't see it much in the original trilogy, obviously, because it was made way, you know, 30, 40 years before <laughs> this was, so that idea wasn't present. But I think the, the idea that the Empire was controlling everything, that's consistent in this as well as the original trilogy. So, Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about, you know, the Phantom Menace compared to A New Hope, you see in the Phantom Menace that, you know, Tatooine's just this faraway planet. Nobody nobody goes there. You go there to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's no law there. They have slaves and unfair treatment of slaves and, and just all sorts of stuff like that. But then in A New Hope, you see the Empire all over. You see stormtroopers everywhere. And they're asking everybody questions or detaining people. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Do you think people on Tatooine had chain codes? Probably. Yeah. Or at least they know how to get them. Yeah. yeah I, I get the sense that Tatooine is more of a lawless place than this Sulukamai is. Yeah. I mean, 
I get the impression that Salukamai is just full of people like cut, um, honest farmers. Mm-hmm. And so they're just trying to live their everyday life, survive and um, Tatooine. You know, that's that's where Jabba the Hutt is. Yeah, it's Crime true. Lord. Yeah. He controls Tatooine and the Empire lets him. Yep. Okay. Well, so back to the story. They they aren't able to get a chain code when they visit the city. So Cut and Hunter go back to the, his farm and they're talking about what to do next. And Hunter's thinking he wants to leave Omega behind. It's like, you know, it's too dangerous. Um, it's a better life for her. Better life for her. You got kids her age. Exactly. So in some ways it makes perfect sense. Um, but Cut's like, I don't know. You're kind of pawning her off, dude. Yeah. This is your responsibility. Yeah. But back on the ship, Echo and Tech are trying to figure out how they can uh, create chain codes, fake chain codes for themselves so they're able to get off and, you know, navigate this new world they live in. And they're thinking about hacking, you know, the database and um, putting the codes they create into the database so then they don't have to actually register. They just are able to do it on the, on the sly that way. So Yeah, fake it. Fake it. But then while they're sitting there trying to figure it out, uh, Tech has this idea to kind of call the Empire on their ship to, so they'll come and transport it to the, the Imperial base that's on the, the outpost that's on Salukamai. So then they can have easier access to be able to hack into the computers because then their ship with them inside, hiding inside, is able to have easy access to what they need to do. But the thing they don't know is Omega's on the ship just hanging out as well. So yeah. unknowingly, she's involved in this plot when Hunter didn't want that to happen. I think it's a great plan. It's the classic um, inside job type deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like we've seen this a few times. Um, you know, not by choice in A New Hope where they, um, they dress as stormtroopers and get out but also in um, the Clone Wars a few times. You see Obi-Wan. My favorite is when Obi-Wan kills the bounty hunter. I forgot his name, but he kills the bounty hunter and he disguises himself as him to get into um, Dooku's inner circle Mm -hmm. um, to figure out about bounty hunters, see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good episode. And that's, um, like you said, the, the A New Hope. They get brought onto the Death Star. That was pretty similar to this, but not by choice. And um, like yeah, like you said, but in episode or in season two of The Mandalorian, they do the same thing. So you have um, uh, the Mandalorian and Migs Mayfield. Mayfield, yeah. So Mayfield and Din Djarin infiltrate the imperial base because mayfeld used to be an imperial soldier a sniper i think it was and so they dress as cl- stormtroopers on that planet i think it was um i don't remember the planet but they infiltrate the base so that they can get uh, access to an imperial terminal so that um mayfeld can get the coordinates for um, Moff Gideon's ship so that they can get Grogu and they do the same thing you know just go right in 
and as you see in Star Wars tons and tons of times they get in just fine they do not get out just fine yep had a little trouble getting out and that's always been one of my favorite um parts about star wars but just in some movies that are able to pull it off well saw the good guys sneak into the bad guys stronghold avoid capture figure out what they need to do and then it always turns up the same where they they don't just walk out they gotta shoot their way out and escape so way more exciting that way. It wouldn't be Star Wars without them shooting their way out, right? Yep. Yeah, so here we have, have it happening here in the Bad Batch. They're able to sneak in and try and figure out what they need to do. Um, once inside, Echo and Tech are able to sneak out and get into a terminal. And we, we see Echo. He's got this new arm attachment that's basically like R2's droid arm he's able to plug into those um those databases and and access the information for himself so it seems like uh echo is pretty much half droid at this point i mean pretty much what's your take on that is that i always find it a little too convenient but i don't really mind it it's like oh that's nice that he can do that now they don't have to have a droid an astromech running around with them yeah and i mean that's i guess that's what his role is it's the astromech it's the chopper of the group except he's human he's a clone yeah yeah he's a cyborg at this point yeah so he's now it seems to imply that he also has like a cyborg brain because he's able to access and you know sift through all that information very quickly yeah and i i think that was his role in the separatists when they captured him was he they're supposed to read his brain but, you know, he's not really going to give that away willingly. So I'm sure they put computer in his brain so that they can control him and his brain so that they can. Yeah. Well, he does have that Lobot thing on his head. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of all the time is Lobot. Yeah. And he's he's basically just the the computer for Cloud City. Yeah. Okay. That makes There's another good tie in there. Yeah. So, all right. So with the the three of them inside the base on the shuttle, Tech, Echo, and Omega, Hunter and the rest decide, okay, well, this is our opportunity. We're going to go to the city and try to get on and hope we'll go get in line. And hopefully by the time it's our <laughs> turn, they'll have, you know, hacked the database and put the information in. Mm-hmm. Just trusting in their buddies that they can do it. And of course, you know, it's a close call and that's a lot of the, the drama of the episode is, you know, are they going to do it without getting caught? Is there going to be enough time to get it all done? So that's what we see happen. It was um, classic Star Wars fashion. Yep. And here we see they're trying to figure out how they're going to do it. Um, and Omega, she grabs the, the discs with the data on them and just she's going to do it herself. You know, they were trying to figure it out, but she decides to take charge and run off with the discs herself. So we see she's always have, she has this desire to help. She feels like she's part of the the group. She wants to be part of the group and have the same roles as, as the rest of them. And here we see her, her headstrong nature where she's going to bring these discs to the group so they can have them to give to the stormtroopers. Oh, for you, Aiden, how does that play out? Do you is she too? Is it too much for her? 
I think she, I think she's like what 10, 12 years old or something. Something like that. <laughs> you know, really young. Um I think the point of this whole thing is to kind of show that she is part of the group. She's not just a drag on on this crew that she was made for that reason and I think that's what Cut was trying to say like she wasn't an accident um she wasn't just like an experiment or something like that she was made deliberately so that you know maybe she could be like obviously she's unique first of all she's not the same gender as them right um and second of all she's not um accelerated growth so she's very unique in those ways and we find out later in the season as well that she is very unique. She's very capable. And I think this is the first just experience with that type of thing. Yeah. We're introduced to it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's able to, to sneak off. Wrecker helps her get past some of the stormtroopers, causes a diversion and she's able to bring those discs to, to Hunter and, and give it to them so they can get off world. I like in this episode how, you know, it's just barely after the Empire's formed. Um, and we see the stormtroopers are the clone troopers at this point. They're still mm-hmm. wearing the clone trooper armor, the helmet, the phase three helmets. And they're not the the classic stormtroopers that we see later on. Yeah, and you see the indiv- individuality kind of stripped away from them. They mm-hmm. don't have their battalions anymore. Mm-hmm. Um it's just the complete white armor, which is the first thing you see, or I guess just the first step of them turning into stormtroopers. Yeah. Yeah. They're brought back to just white armor, plain white armor. And you guys are all the same now. Get yeah. to have your own personalities. Uh-huh. And that's reflected in this episode. Um, but yeah, Omega, she's able to get the, the discs, the chain code discs to Hunter. And at this point, Hunter's like, okay, change of plan. You're staying here. You know, I can't take care of you. We're soldiers. It's too dangerous for you, all that stuff. And um, she doesn't like that. Hunter says, you got to go. It's for your own good. And she is sad. She, she, That's not what she wants to do. I mean, she's looked up to the Bad Batch. Like, she is older than them because they're accelerated growth. Um and she's not. So she's technically older than them. She's seen them get created from the start. And the entire time she's looked up to them. She's wanted to be like them. Um, and she's admired them, studied them. They're they're her role models. And it's been her dream, I guess, to be with them. And, you know, for her to finally be with them and Hunter to drop her off here. I can imagine how that would be heartbreaking because that's all she wanted. Yeah. And now it's being stripped away from her. Yeah. So she's going to go with Cut and Sue and their kids. They're they're going off world too. They got uh, some chain codes from Echo and Tech. They're going one way. Hunter and his group are going to go another way. And so Omega's she's heading off. She's getting on the ship to get out of Salukamai. She's not happy about it. In the meantime, Tech and Echo are fighting stormtroopers by their ship and uh, trying to hold them off so Hunter can meet up with them again and get back. They can get back off, off planet. And so he runs off to help them. 
some of my favorite thing about the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, you know, it being an animated show is just the action in it, the combat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right here you see Wrecker and Tech f- just defending themselves. Um, and, of course, Wrecker's holding up this giant crate as a <laughs> shield. And yeah. Tech's got his blasters and he's he's focusing on them. And then you see Hunter just come out of nowhere, knee some people in the face, totally just beat everyone up and um you know i feel like that's it's just awesome that they can do that in a in an animated fashion yeah um it just unlocks so much more possibility yeah and it's very detailed it's it's very lifelike yeah i mean very real lifelike yes if like animated in this case does not mean kid show right yeah i guess it's suitable for kids but i don't think it's it's made for kids um they have their audience in mind when they're making this. They're making it very serious and very Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. And it's fun to watch. That's why kids love it. That's why adults love it. And everybody. Because it's so well done. Mm-hmm. But as they're getting ready to get on their ship to leave, Omega shows up. Of course. <laughs> She's ditched Cut and Sue and the kids. And she went back to her, her family she considers them their family. So she's able to go back to them. Hunter's like, what are you doing here? We got to get on the ship. So they shoot their way on their ship. We see Cut and his family take off. And then while Hunter and his group get on their their shuttle and take off. So both groups are able to escape. They got their chain codes in place. So, well, did the Bad Batch get their chain codes or was it just Cut and his family? I think it was just cut in his family. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think at this point they really need their chain codes because they got off world illegally. Yeah. <laughs> they just dipped. Yeah. So they're, they're able to get cut in his family safely away. So mm-hmm. they're on the ship. Wrecker's benching or curling uh, the gonk droid like he always does. Of course. It's his weight, his gym set. And then we have the meetup with Omega and Hunter. And they both have a heart to heart. Um, Omega says, you know, she knows she's messed up, but she's willing to do what she needs to do to stay part of the group. And Hunter admits, hey, I got a lot to learn, too. This is new to me. I got to figure it out. Uh huh. And I guess this is the flip side of the coin of Star Wars. For me, Star Wars has always been filled with emotion. You know, it's been my childhood but also there's there's definitely narrative in this mm-hmm. in this universe they tell the story very well they get you invested and um in this episode you kind of see the first really the first big step because you see it in the first episode um how they connect but this is the first time you see them really connect as you know i guess not father and daughter but he takes on that role of just nurturer and um, mm-hmm. guardian of Omega. Yeah. And that's the opposite side. You have all this action, but then you also have these heartfelt moments that make you feel emotion that get you invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it real for us. Mm-hmm. So we can relate to the things like that. A lot easier than lightsaber fighting, even though that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- that's what I like about, um, the new shows coming out is Star Wars has largely been about Jedi and Sith, their fight. And mm-hmm. um, even the Clone Wars, you know, there was 
plenty of clone battles, clone episodes, droid episodes, but definitely tons of lightsaber battles. It was about Jedi as well, Jedi and Sith. But right. as you see with the Mandalorian, it's about um, the Mandalorian, normal people, just citizens of the galaxy doing their thing. And um, here you see that same thing. There's not a whole lot of lightsabers. You see a couple in the first episode with um, Caleb Doom and his master, Depa Balaba. Um, and, you know, that's before and during Order 66 and after this. You see just what Star Wars is without lightsabers. Yeah. And we kind of knew that going in with The Mandalorian and this show that it was going to focus less on the Jedi, the Jedi-Sith conflict. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in that. I was looking forward to, hey, what is Star Wars without Jedi and Sith? Yeah. You know, we like these background characters. We like these other characters. Can they hold their own? What is that, what is that going to look like? Yeah. And especially like um, as Bad Batch was announced, you know, I knew it was going to be Order 66 because, you know, we left off season seven with order 66 and they were part of season seven. So naturally um, they're going to be a part of that, but you kind of wonder what role they're going to play after order 66. And I think it's cool that we get to see them not be a part of the empire. We get to see them as refugees, essentially um, just kind of fending for themselves instead of these galactic heroes that, you know, are invincible, like, these guys have real lives, real threats, mm-hmm. and it's not these all-powerful Siths that, that are against them. It's Well, their biggest enemy at this point, their biggest threat is their friend, their brother. Yeah, Crosshair. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. And plus, with the way Star Wars was released, we knew the end of the story already. So we mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen in the prequels and the Clone Wars with the Jedi and Sith. We know who's going to win. Still gets me every time, though. Yeah, still well done and awesome to watch. But with this, we don't know what's going to happen with the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Do they survive all the way through to the end? Do they die a hero's death at some point in the near future? You know, what's going to happen? We we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fun to watch. So that's episode two, Cut and Run, of the Bad Batch. We want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Credible Nerds podcast. Definitely check out our social media sites. Just search Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for Credible Nerds and you'll find us. Follow us there. Join us on the conversation on social media. Check out our other podcasts. We do all kinds of podcasts with DC Comics, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, Wheel of Time, anything nerdy we like to talk about. So definitely check out our other podcasts and let us know what you think. So stay tuned. Next up, we will be talking about episode three of The Bad Batch called Replacements. Thanks for joining us and may the force be with you. be with you.